This is Trevor Thompson, and you're listening to The First Deal Show. Welcome to The First Deal Show with your host, Caroline with a K. On this show, we're talking about investors' first investment property. Join me for a trip down memory lane as we hear the good, bad, and ugly of that first deal. So today we've got another very special guest, Trevor Thompson, who is a passive investor turned active investor, and he has a company called Niagara Investments. So welcome, Trevor. Thank you for coming on to the show. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. As always, we start the show the same way, and I ask you some questions to get to know you a little bit better, and really for the 402 to get to know Trevor outside of just real estate investor, because at the end of the day, you are a human. So this segment is called the Kiss Me segment, where you're just telling us about yourself a little bit, okay? So the first question is, what was the first album that you purchased? Wow, it was uh, Alice Cooper School's Out. <gasps> oh, nice. <laughs> was it cassette, CD? No, it was, it was a record, yeah. <gasps> wow, okay, fun. Do you still have that record? I don't. Oh, timeless piece. And what was the biggest challenge that held you back from investing in real estate? You know, honestly, fear. I mean, just being afraid of exactly, you know, the, the, the classic toilet tenants and trash and all the things that went with it. It was really just fear. Would you say that it kept you on the side? Like, how did you overcome that fear? You know, I just finally decided it was time to do it. Um, it became easy because I did get some, I did get a windfall when our company got bought out. So I got some cash and I saw how much tax I paid. And I remember researching real estate, how there was so much tax advantages. And so it just forced me to go do something about it. Uh, wait, you sold your company, like you had a company and then. So I worked for a company that got sold and I got a payday. And, and, I, and they took a lot of it in taxes. And I knew, I thought about real estate. I knew about real estate. I knew about passive investing and tax advantages, but I hadn't done anything. And then all of a sudden um, I saw this and I thought, that's it. I got to do it. And it just, just jolted me into doing it. Oh yeah. Anytime you see the IRS taking a big chunk of your change, that's a big motivator to like yeah. figure out how. Yeah. They and then to go all in in real estate when COVID happened, and the stock market crashed and I woke up and I'd lost a third of my net worth. And I went, Oh, wow, I need to do something about this. So as it started to grow back, I started cashing it in. And now I'm like 95% of my, my investments are in real estate. Oh, that's awesome. So were you living in Canada at the time when you started? Or were you already US? No, I was in the US already. So it was, uh, I'd actually moved to the US. <clears throat> and oddly enough, the first staff meeting i worked for iFly indoor skydiving and our very first staff meeting the owner gave everybody a copy of rich dad poor dad shut up yeah and i read the book and i went wow you know it's very very interesting right it moved me but i did what so many people did i just stuck it on the shelf and went oh that's not for me right now i'm gonna do something you know and i didn't do it and uh that's my one of my biggest regrets that i did not start earlier mm. Wow, but the fact that your boss like gave out the yeah. that book to the whole staff, you know, 
That's pretty impressive. It is very impressive. Okay. And what is something new that you learned or did during the pandemic, which others might not know about you? Wow. I don't know if I did anything different than everyone else did. I just learned how to pivot and be like socially active on Zoom and and virtual networking, you know, and a lot of people, we weren't doing a lot of that, but, you know, I got really good at it and I spent a lot of time and energy connecting with people. And now, to be honest, everybody's like, oh, I want to get back. And I actually still like it. I like that one-on-one where there's not a distraction of a room environment and just to be able to talk to people. It really, really made me pivot and do that. Yeah. And you're actually the first person I think that's mentioned going and starting to use Zoom. Um, although everyone, right, was kind of forced into that. And as a teacher, I know a lot of people were very hesitant or resistant to change. So, you know, th- this is not a video podcast. It's purely audio and the audience can't see, you know, you, but, um, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm quite impressed. I'm always impressed when people who are like my mom's age use technology because she's so resistant towards it. And the fact that you embrace it is pretty impressive. So I I commend you. It is tough to teach us old dogs new tricks. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, what is your favorite quote? My favorite quote is, um, if you get lemons, make lemonade. Yes. You know, I've been listening to a lot of music recently, and a lot of songs have some spin off of that quote. That's pretty neat. And so with all that being said, Trevor, we are here to learn about what your first investment was, your first real estate investment deal, um, because you uh, were formerly a passive investor, gone active. So I think the 402 is very curious to learn about what your first investment was. So tell us, what was your first? Yes. Deal? So the reason I went passive investing is, you know, I had a full-time job that I really liked. I was definitely terrified of the, you know, the toilets, tenants, and trash. And I didn't really understand this concept of passively investing in multifamily real estate. So I went to a couple of seminars. I started watching webinars and I went, wait, hold on a minute. This is different than I thought. This is really investing into a business, which I understood as a businessman and an entrepreneur. So I thought it finally kind of all the pieces went together and you know how that you could make a complex better, increase its operating income. It got multiplied by the use of leverage. All these things that I'd learned through my life, all of a sudden it was like just a big aha moment. And it was nerve wracking though. I mean, my first investment, You know, I put some money into a deal and I'm not going to lie. I was very nervous. But then once I got more comfortable, I started doing more and more of it. And the reason I didn't want to do active was I was very busy. I traveled a lot and I just didn't think I had the time to do it. Tell us like, okay, so you started watching all these seminars and then you found a deal or something that you were fond of or liked. And so how did you go about deciding like, this is the one that I'm going to invest in. Yeah. So it was interesting that it was actually through my mentorship program. Um, The people that were training the course, they put a deal forward for everybody to invest in. Um, I've learned a lot since then. And to be honest, you know, it, uh, it wasn't one of my best investments, but overall it was good. Okay. And how much would you say, if you don't mind sharing, did, would, did you put into that first deal? It was a hundred thousand. Okay. And then what were substantial amount. (laughs) 
Yeah, so the fact that you're nervous, I'm really not surprised. I think anyone putting 100k into a deal would be a little bit uh, hesitant. Yeah, it definitely, you know, it. but it, it was, I wanted to get in, I wanted to do it, and, uh, you know, so. So then when you invested um, that money, what, you know, how long like how long did they hold on to your capital? What was the return? Like, and you clearly kept going cause now you're active. Right. So what was that like that? Transition? Yeah. So it was interesting that that first deal actually turned out to be not one of my best investments. It only returned my capital, but I believed in it. It was a big learning lesson and, and I just definitely did. What was the asset class? Uh, it was multifamily. And was it local to you or? Yeah, it was in San Antonio and I live in Austin. Mm, okay. Um, and so what would you say was like, you know, would you, if obviously it sounds like if you would have done it again, you probably wouldn't have invested in that initial deal. Yeah. So I learned some things since investing in that deal. Um, and I learned there was two things that they underestimated. And in Texas, you got to be very careful. They'd underestimated property taxes and insurance. And then, you know, and then of course the pandemic came and it, it was a podcast that really struggled. You mean an apartment complex? Oh, apartment complex. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm thinking of podcast here. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> So what do you mean that they underestimated like when they initially Yeah, when they did their financial plan, they just didn't account for how much property taxes were going to go up with the new purchase price. And then they underestimated insurance, which also has been going up quite a bit in Texas. Oh, and did you act, did you ever go see the property or? Yeah, I did. I not before I invested, though, which was a bit of a mistake. But actually, for a few months, I actually helped them with asset management of the property. I volunteered. And so I learned learned a lot doing that. And, you know, it was just unfortunate. We got stuck behind a curve and it was really hard to reposition the property. COVID didn't help. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's a struggle to turn a property around. But since then, um, I've had other investments with the same group and with the different groups and I've done much better. So you got to realize that real estate is not completely risk-free. Um, I did not lose my capital versus when the stock market crashed, I lost my capital. Um, <laughs> so, you know, then, and then of course there's all the tax advantages. So tell us what are some of the tax advantages that you got for investing in a syndication? Yes. Yeah, so as a passive investor, you get depreciation losses and you can write those losses against your passive income doesn't help you with your W-2 income. Um, once you switch to full-time active, it does. But as a passive investor, you get these losses. And so not only do you take the income as capital gains versus personal income, which reduces your taxes, in my case, almost in half, then when you take these depreciation losses and put it against your passive income, in reality, you're, you're close to tax-free on your passive income. In the example of the 100000 that you invested, you were able to take 50%, like the government will only tax you 50% of the value? Well, on that one, I made no money, so there was no tax event. But let's oh. let's say I did make, uh, let's just use $100,000 for purposes, 
And instead of paying 37% income tax, I would have only paid 20% capital gains tax. That doesn't count as income. When... Yeah. That's great. Um, and so since then, what, like, since you had got the experience of being an asset manager, is that what led you to want to become active full time? And did you end up quitting your W-2 job? No. So I ended up losing my W-2 job, um, because of COVID. And so that was part of it, why I did it. Oh, so you recently started investing like 2020. Uh, no, I started about five years ago and I started doing passive investing. And then in 2020, I pivoted to becoming full-time, but it took a while to actually get a deal that worked and be able to, my first deal, we could not get the deal closed, unfortunately. And that's the, that's, is part of the risk on being the active side when you're doing a sponsorship deal that, you know, you put at risk money to make a deal happen. And sometimes it doesn't work. Oh, so have you done a deal like as an active investor since being passive? Yeah, so I just closed on my second deal as a general partner. The first one, I'm a very small part of 67 townhomes in Columbia, South Carolina. That one, I just I brought some other investors along with me. But I just closed my first big deal where I consider myself as a co-sponsor, which is a little bit different. Um, so I am the asset manager. I'm one of the main people in the group, and we just closed on 75 doors in San Antonio. Oh, that's awesome. So have you toured the property? Like, how did you guys find the, the property? Yeah, so it was found by my partner. She's actually a property manager, and she's bought a couple of properties and switching from property management to active ownership. And she found the deal, invited me to join the deal with her. And then we found some other partners, raised the money. Um, it was a loan assumption, so it took a little bit longer for it to happen, but we managed to get it done and get closed. Oh, nice. And what's the asset class? It is a C-class, 75-door multifamily, but it's a good solid C, um, you know, which is okay. San Antonio is very much a workhouse housing type community, and so it, it was. it's a perfect product for that area. Oh, great. And what's your plan like long term, like, yeah, so it was definitely mismanaged. Um, you know, they just didn't take care of the tenants. They didn't do any marketing. Um, definitely rents are under market. So the interiors of the apartment are actually quite nice, but they let the exterior go. So when you pull up, it just doesn't feel warm and inviting. So we're going to spend some money making it warm and inviting, fixing the parking lot, fixing some of the gates and the access. Um, cleaning up the pool area and just make it look nice. So when this particular owner bought it about three years ago, it looked really, really nice. Um, and then he basically did not continue to keep it up and he lost interest in the property. Um, sometimes that happens with absentee owners. And that's the big thing you look for as a buyer. You look for the opportunity. Here's a nice property that somebody's not taking care of, not operating well and you um you turn it around can you talk a little bit about this loan assumption and maybe the benefits and the cons yeah so loan assumption right now it's becoming more and more popular as interest rates go up so at the time when we were looking at it it had a 5.1 percent interest rate fixed for seven more years and so at the time that was about what a new loan had cost 
And so we were kind of like, well, we got a better deal assuming the loan because there's some prepayment penalties if you pay off the loan. So we decided to, to assume the loan. So basically we had to take the loan over, had to get approved by a federal government. It's a Fannie Mae loan. So it takes a long time to get something done, get those things done. And of course now that when we closed, it turns out it's a wonderful deal because interest rates are more than 7%. So it, you know, we managed to lock it in at a good deal. And it was also very good that it was a good loan to value. So the loan was worth about 71% of the purchase price, which is a really important thing. We're not over leveraged, we're not under leveraged. And that, that's what made the deal very attractive. So when you guys assumed the loan, did you have to take out any additional funding or was it enough? We did not. We just raised the rest from investor capital. So we raised the difference between the purchase price and the loan amount. We raised all of our closing costs and everything we need to close. And we raised all of our capital budget for our improvements. We're going to spend about six uh, $650,000 improving the property. So all of that was raised by investors. Oh, wow. That's great. And, um, can you talk a little bit about all of the seats in the general partnership? Cause I think you're the first guest, um, that recently closed on a multifamily deal. So I think it'd be valuable to share with the 402, what that means. Like who are all the, the seats in the GP? Yeah, so the, the main three of us, there's three of us. And one is the property manager, and she's the one that found the deal. There's myself. My skill set is operating businesses, running businesses. Um, but I have a weak spot, which is in financial reporting, underwriting, all the different things. So we brought a third partner in that gave us that skill set. He's very good at it. In fact, he was a loan mortgage broker for you know almost 10 years. And so he's very good at it you know, financial analysis and those types of things and a little better at paperwork than I am. And then we brought on two other people that were known capital raisers uh, because you got to make sure that you have somebody who knows what they're doing and has these contacts to be able to raise the capital. So we raised $3.4 million from investors for this deal. Do you have any piece of advice for someone who's looking to be a passive investor on things that they should look out for when vetting certain operators about investing in their deal. Absolutely, yeah. So the most important thing is who you give your money to, right? So I always say it's the jockey is your sponsor, the horse is your asset class, and the track is where it is, what is it? So it's very important that you spend a lot of time and energy getting to know a sponsor. You wanna listen to them on podcasts, you wanna follow them. You want to see past deals and the performance of those deals. You want to make sure that your values are aligned, right? You want to give your money to people that care about your money. There are some people out there that, that you know, it, to them, this is just a business. It's not a passion. And for me, I always want to look for and invest with people that want to make communities better for the residents. And yes, you make money doing that, but I want to make sure that your first you know, goal of it is to make the community a better place. You know, as someone who has no experience, right? Like one of the 402s out there and they like find these webinars. How, how did you know in the first deal that you invested in and even the partners you have now, like how did you know that their values aligned with? Yeah. So just getting to know them, right? Talking to them, going to meetups, going to webinars, listening to them on podcasts. Um, you know, you know, when you, you, 
go to somewhere and they're just talking to people and they're associating with them and you go, wow, I can really connect with that person. Um, that's an important part of it, right? You want to make sure that, that you know, you've listened to them, you've learned with them, you want to spend time with them. Um, one of my first investments I did, I researched people for about a year. Um, I went to all their meetups, virtual meetups at the time. Um, they're California and Arizona based, so they're not here. I got to know them. I went to where they were on podcasts. I did different things just to make sure that I learned everything I could about them. And that gave me a comfort level. I also talked to other people that invested with them. So they'll give you references, but you always want to try to dig a little deeper because they only give you people that like them, of course. And you want to see, does anybody have any challenges? And the other thing that was really important to me is this particular group that I'm talking about. They had some things go wrong and they openly talked about it. They openly talked about, man, we had some setbacks and but this is what we did to overcome the setbacks. And that honesty is what really encouraged me to invest with them. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's awesome. And finally, what would you say or what was what is the best way for the 402 to get in touch with you, Trevor, if they're interested in learning more about you and the deals that you have going on? Yeah, so my website is niagara-investments.com. I'm from Niagara Falls, Canada, so that's why I picked that name. You can also find me on LinkedIn, K. Trevor Thompson. And if you reach out to me, send me a note saying, hey, I saw you, heard you on a podcast or whatever. Always happy to reach out. And I put out a lot of information. So I have a YouTube channel where I put a lot of educational material on it um, just to help people learn and feel comfortable about real estate investing. Oh, that's great. What's your YouTube channel called? Uh, it's just my name, K. Trevor Thompson. Oh, nice. I think there's a dot in it, K. Trevor Thompson. Oh, great. So there you go, 402. If you're interested in learning more about Trevor, you can reach him on LinkedIn or his website and also on his YouTube channel. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And that's all, folks. 402. Did you learn something or take away a golden nugget? Then I'd love it if you would share this episode with a friend. And I'd really also like to talk to you about real estate on Instagram or LinkedIn. So follow me at First Deal Show. If you know someone that has an amazing first deal story or you just want to give us the dirt on your first deal shoot me an email at firstdealshow at gmail.com and let's get you on the show 402 thank you so much for listening i love all of you and i will see you next friday